It's, I, I'd, I'd say especially when you find success, mm. that's when it's really dangerous. Um, because then you're like, look at what I've built mm. and look at what I've done. And, and that's, so, so if you, I mean, if you're an entrepreneur and you fail, that's probably a, you, you probably have to go to the Lord. <laughs> but if you're an entrepreneur and you're successful, then you don't go to the Lord in most cases, mm. unless you are, are very um, intentional. Hello, and welcome to the Faith and Work LA podcast, a narrative effort from the Center for Faith and Work Los Angeles that aims to lift up stories of everyday Christians impacting Los Angeles through their daily work. My name is Gage Arnold, and I'll be your host. In this episode, we hear from Eden Chin. Eden is the founder of Fisherman Labs and Common Foods as well as an investor at CE Capital and CE Foundation. And he's been featured on Forbes 30 under 30 list and is a Los Angeles resident. And Eden thinks Christians should take more risks. After navigating his own vocational journey from processing a call to the pastorate to now launching multiple ventures in the LA area, he's determined to help Christians find solace in the sovereignty of God. So in this episode of the Faith and Work LA podcast, Eden shares a bit of his own story. He uh, makes a plea for Christians to lean into the messiness of risk, and he speaks to what he's learned about faith in his work as an entrepreneur. We're honored to have Eden joining us, and we hope you enjoy the conversation. All right, Eden, thanks so much for joining us on the CFW LA podcast. We're glad to have you. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, well, just as we get started, um, I've given just a bit of your, your intro of your background, but I would love if you could give us just a short snippet um, of just your sort of professional journey, what your career looked like, um, and what do you what do you do now? Yeah, so... Uh, I'm a little bit of a renaissance uh, man in, in a work sense, at least, uh, in the sense that I, I came from wanting to be a youth pastor in college and studying kind of theology and stuff like that to and to getting a business degree and then being in finance and that whole world for, for a few years um, to uh, being in technology. Um, for kind of the last six, seven years to, um, and now being involved in kind of um, CPG slash food and, um, and, and that kind of stuff. So it's kind of been a little bit all over the place in terms of like the focus, but now today I'm, I'm currently running a, um, a product development company called Fisherman Labs. We, we, we sort of build digital products for brands and startups and help them uh, think through what they should be building. And then we actually help them um, engineer and design those things. Um, this is for typically for web app and VR and AR products. Um, and, uh, and then I run a instant noodle company called common foods that um, makes kind of a, um, spinach ramen that's kind of a little bit healthier and you feel better about um that uh that's been going for about six months and then um started a nonprofit recently called uh next level um spelled nxt lvl that um it's it's kind of focused on getting inner city under-resourced uh high school and post high school into marketing and social media jobs and the thesis there is that uh, kids in inner cities and in under-resourced areas, they are heavy users of social media, and they also have a, uh, they're, you know, very exposed to marketing, uh, media, uh, sports, a lot of the kind of foundational backgrounds that are required for, um, for, for being a good marketer. Um, so anyways. But, but there, and again, there being not a lot of programs that are focused on the marketing side. Mm-hmm. So, um, so 
so it's kind of all over the place. So it's hard, hard to answer your question, but I hope yeah. that gives you a little. Yeah, no, I, I think it, at least with common foods and with next level, those, I don't even know if those were publicly announced, but like this past April, whenever you and I met at our conference. Um, I don't think they were. Um, yeah, they weren't announced at that point, but they are now. Obviously, yeah. But, um, yeah. You move quickly, my friend. I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah, well, I just, uh, I like learning and a lot of the stuff I do doesn't end up working, but at least I learned something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's something to be said for that. Um, I, and we'll circle back around to kind of vocationally how, um, yeah, how, how, sort of what drives you and what sort of keeps moving you forward. But I would, I would love to sort of even jump back further to your faith journey. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Sort of take me through what what does it look like for you um, to follow Jesus? And then you mentioned that you had sort of were on a trajectory to be a youth pastor and were taking theology classes. Um, yeah. What does faith look like in your life, um, and how has that kind of worked itself out for you? Uh, uh, so, are you kind of asking how I became a Christian or how I arrived at? doing business from from ministry yeah um maybe maybe touch on a little bit of both Uh, even if you don't have to give your full testimony per se but even just getting just a little bit of um what what kind of home you grew up in um sort of spiritually just what was the climate for you and then maybe that can be the impetus for how has that shaped the way that you have viewed business and work yeah um so i guess my my parents were um, Christian, but um, in a very, uh, I guess, probably in a very unique and non-traditional sense. <laughs> um, and that uh, we we grew up going to church for a little bit, and then we kind of stopped. And um, my parents were, I'd say, like, I don't know how to put another put it another way, but kind of more worldly than uh, most Christians, and not worldly in the sense that like materialistically worldly but worldly in the sense that they were and i hate to stereotype christians but generally christians are are sort of not aware of the news not aware of global you know things that are going on in the world that's mm-hmm. what i mean quite worldly um and um my parents were and not a bit not not very aware of the arts um and things like that and um, I grew up my, my mom was a journalist and my dad was a musician mm. so I grew up around a lot of um, news and music and art and, um, and my parents were just very free in the sense that they mm. they didn't really force us um, any which way they kind of let us um, find our own way so that was the climate of um, a little bit of how I grew up and uh yeah, from there, I I, be, I didn't become a Christian uh, until I was um, maybe like 16, 17, that, in that, those ages. And um, my brother became a Christian much later, um, but both of us were um, kind of kids that were, that, that churches really didn't want to have anything to do with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we were involved in all sorts of stuff from, you know, pranks and stealing and um you know alcohol drugs all that kind of stuff so um that that was sort of a little bit of how i grew up but i did like my parents did pray with us every night so mm-hmm. i did have a sense of god at the same mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. i just wasn't necessarily going to church and sure. um doing a lot of that stuff so when i did become christian like 16 17 um i immediately kind of wanted to be a youth pastor because that was mm-hmm. the the that was the place that I got saved. And, um, and so, yeah, that, that's sort of a little bit of, uh, the climate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you know when, um, your sort of viewpoint of saying, well, I, my life has been changed by this youth pastor. The obvious next step is for me vocationally to step into doing this into working in ministry. Was there a turning point? Um, was it college? Like what was the point where you, um, began to think differently and began to switch towards uh, thinking maybe about business or um, something outside of ministry per se. Yeah. The, the business stuff was kind of unintentional. I, uh, I was a business major in, in college because 
um, business was the um, the only undergrad major that I could pick that, uh, you know, you couldn't really be a theology major in, in I went to a, uh, just like a regular, I went to Emory University, which is kind mm-hmm. of just like a normal school that it's not a Christian school, in other words. Yeah. yeah. And so they didn't have, uh, you know, a theology major. They had a religion major, but you would be studying, you know, Buddhism and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, so I figured business was the most practical, uh, it was the most practical uh, major for like maybe church planting and things like that. Mm-hmm. So um, that's why I, I was a business major, but it wasn't, it wasn't so that I, uh, I, I didn't really think of, going into business necessarily. And then I think there were like practical issues that I had in terms of, I am in a ton of debt and uh, because of school and Mm -hmm. I likely won't make much money as a, as a pastor. So I, I just practically have to do something. Um, Cause back then when I was going to school, Emory was 40,000 a year. Mm -hmm. Um, And now it's, I mean, I think now it's like 70 or 80,000 a year. It's a lot more now than it was then, but um, it just you know you you graduate with two hundred thousand dollars of debt and um, and 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 a lot of uh, and and you don't have an income and then I had to go and uh, do a master's program as well for if I wanted to do like a master's of divinity or something. It just mm-hmm. so just you know, kind of no pathway to actually become a pastor mm-hmm. uh, when you when you're coming from that background. So that was like originally what I was like I had to work for a little bit. Or, I mean, I literally thought I could work like a side hustle or I could marry someone that has money. That was literally like the only two <laughs> options I had for the ministry. Uh, so, um, and so, and I, did, I wasn't dating anyone at the time. So, um, that wasn't an option. Options were slim. <laughs> yeah. So I, that, so, I started, you know, looking for summer internships and trying to do stuff on, on the side. And um, because I was taking finance classes, I was trading a little bit and, just just learning more about the space and I'd done a little bit of computer programming when I was in high school, mainly just to steal and hack into things and stuff like that. <laughs> not anything like not anything uh, official or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that was, yeah, it was, it was a gradual process, but uh, you know, when I looking back at the arc of my life, there were many, many times that I, I really tried to push myself into ministry and God mm-hmm. really, um, kept redirecting me over and over and over again back into um, work, uh, into workplace kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and I uh, and and just becoming more and more comfortable over time with um, my role as a sort of like a bridge is how mm-hmm. I think of it between um, I'm in the really involved in my church, really involved with the Christian community, but also really love engaging with culture and also seeing the way that I grew up to and the way my parents raised me mm-hmm. was unique in the, in the, in that I could speak the language of culture. And I think, and also just like really wanting to be the bridge between pushing Christians to learn the, the language of culture and the, and, and just what's going on in the world and, and, and those kinds of, those kinds of things. So a lot of the, my background just lent itself very well to that kind of role. Mm. Yeah, I think that's that's something that everybody to some degree probably struggles with in uh, trying to discern career steps and a career path and thinking through big questions of calling, um, of what am I called to, what should I do with my life, and um, I, I think, I mean, I, I, I find encouragement just in you being sensitive to the fact that like, even though you... <laughs> Might have been like stiff neck trying to run into ministry. God was gracious enough to be to say, "No, I have something different for you, even than what you think." Um, and He was persistent in pulling you out of your your steps towards ministry back towards where where you are now, um, kind of working in the business entrepreneurial world. Um, and that can be a hard thing to walk through, but certainly, I guess when you have some perspective to look back on it, you can see you can see God's hand and God's presence in it all, even in those those sort of wandering in the wilderness uh, years and seasons. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, and I think um, I think for me, it's also a recognition to some extent that um, I felt really close to God when I was doing ministry, um, whether it be um, 
sorry, my crazy ambulance is uh, <laughs> pulling up, and this, this is how you know we're doing a uh, we're doing a podcast in Los Angeles, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Relevant, yeah. Okay, sorry about that. Yeah. No, you're good. Um, yeah, and and I think my relationship with God rec- recognized that my relationship with God was the closest when I was doing ministry, mm-hmm. um, whether that be missions or pest in, or like speaking and things like that. Yeah. And a lot of it being that you know a lot of it a lot of me wanting to be in ministry was just to be close to the Lord, mm-hmm. and not so much because it was a calling, but mainly and and I find I I sometimes see that in other people mm-hmm. um, could be something that's not a gifting. Or, or a calling, but because it, in some ways it's easier to be a Christian in a ministry setting. Um, it, there's, there's less monotony. So mm-hmm. like, you know, mm-hmm. it's hard to just kind of show up and work every day and you don't have that spiritual um, yeah. focus maybe just because it's not part of your job. Um, and so in some ways it's, it's, it's kind of, sometimes you chase that feeling um, and it's not uh, necess- necessarily that you're pursuing God's calling or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I guess just speak for myself for that, but not not yeah. necessarily for other people. But yeah, no, I totally get it. Um, I would love to hear how. So um, h- how have you made sense of the way that your your faith is to overlap with uh, the work that you do? Um, so kind of a that's a lot of what we do at CFWLA is helping people think through and discern uh, sort of just vocationally disciple people um, to see how their mm-hmm. work fits into God's unfolding story. Um, how have you made sense of that um, in your own life and in your own work specifically? Yeah, I think, I think um, just reflecting on, on some of that, I think there's a level of corporate, there's a corporate side to it, um, which is mm-hmm. more how does your, maybe your business or the outcome of your business um, have some type of ministry component or some type of faith component. Um, and, uh, and then there's a, I think a personal component of um, how has, how do you personally um, interact with work and faith? Uh, and I think, I think from a more of like a corporate setting, I, I think it's less interesting for people to think about that. Because I think um, it's not, I don't know if it's a, it's a calling for everyone to be in a, at a place that's um, doing any type of faith or ministry type of work from a company standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's, you can be, but I think probably the majority of people work in settings where they're working on um, just tax or yeah. you know um, spreadsheets uh yeah boxes. exactly yeah yeah finance or consulting or whatever it is uh so um and and so i don't think even for us i think there were there were many times where we tried to infuse faith into the corporate work mm-hmm. but we make we make tech products and advertising products for for companies and it's not always a great use case for um like when, you know, like if there's a, maybe if there's a movie that we, we disagree with, um, in terms of like, it's, it's a movie that's really, really against the way that we, um, you know, the, the, what we think is good in the world, then we might, you know, reject the project or something like that. But even that is, it would be, it would have to be something that was really bad that, mm-hmm. that almost would make multiple employees feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It uh, it wouldn't be, you know, because every movie is every 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 secular product gonna have things that you disagree with. Um, so um, so I think that's a corporate question. I think again that I think that's a little less interesting. Um, the personal side has been for me more of the the focus maybe, and mm-hmm. um, and I've found it easier to um, to to sort of engage with that. And a lot of that is just around like few questions I would be interested in um, one would be like how does your how does your daily living um, cause people to think about God or Jesus um, and I guess why would anyone ask you about your faith um, and so that's that's been a 
Uh, I think a lot of that has to do with making decisions that are that 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 people, uh, I guess, that people question why you would make the decisions those ways. So that it's decision making. It's um, and uh, and so I, I think like for us, you know, we we were we were making a lot of money and and doing pretty well in business, um, but we chose to live in South LA, which is a lower income neighborhood. Um, we, we always tried to sort of think about how we could try and run away from the, the most easy things to do, which would be when you're doing well, spend more money on yourself, um, you know, live more comfortably, mm. uh, protect yourself, um, put up barriers, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And for us thinking through like, now that we've been, there's actually an even greater responsibility as people who have resources to do more um, when the reality is um, people do less when they have more resources. Mm. Um, like for example, I, uh, my wife and I are uh, just finished up our foster classes and mm. um, I, and again, this is part of this is, you know, somewhat stereotyping, but in our classes uh, with our foster, we, we were in, you know, multiple foster classes with different sets of people that were looking to foster there were rarely ever people that were what I would think would be high income mm. or wealthy that were looking to foster mm. where it's like, it's actually, if you're wealthy, you should have the means to do things like that. But, but the the people that do it the least are people that are generally wealthy. Mm. So that's, and, and it's, that's, that would be to me pretty universal in almost any risk taking or, um, anything that would cause any level of discomfort, you, you, you will, will rarely ever see people that have made money mm. um, involved in. So that, that, I think that's, which is basically like no different than any, that, than, than anything that would happen in the world Yeah. and in, in, in the world dies. So, um, so no one's going to ask a rich Christian that doesn't live any differently than anybody else outside of the fact that they protect they they're they're protectionist and um mm. you know trying to you know trying to block any type of negative kind of influence mm. from mm. their lives which even again creates even more separation so i think um those those are the questions i ask more like personally okay i i'm successful in business in in some ways um now what do I do? Like, what does that look like? And, 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 and we're still, we wrestle with that all the time. Mm-hmm. We're, uh, um, so there's, um, you know, my wife and I are, I'm speaking at a retreat next week and talking about risk and mm-hmm. just spending a lot of time thinking about, um, our call to risk as Christians and even just studying risk taking in, in scripture has made me mm-hmm. really be like, I, and in a lot of ways I'm not, I'm really just not taking um, any risks for God, mm. <laughs> really, realistically. Uh, and and uh, and the and how do I have faith in the Lord? How, that's just that's more of a personal. Like, how do I actually rely on Jesus when I don't need Him for anything? Mm. And how do and why would people look to me and ask questions when I I I live too similarly to the rest of the world? And and so. Um, yeah, so I don't think the. I think a lot of times mm-hmm. people ask the question of like, oh, what kind of job should I get, or maybe I should go work in nonprofit or ministry, or, or, um, or I don't like accounting or whatever it is because like, it's too boring, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Uh, I can't see the connection between my faith and my work. But I think so much of it is just like, are you faithfully serving in your church? Are you um, faithfully uh, living in unique ways that where your coworkers and other people are asking questions? Are you making decisions that, like, if you look at the early church within Acts, I mean, a lot of times they, people were just, they literally just spent time loving on each other. Um, mm. It wasn't, they weren't asking so many questions about evangelism, maybe, that we are, but their love was so radical for each other that people were very attracted by that model. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, anyways, that's just 
some random thoughts here and there. Yeah, yeah. It, it, even as you were sharing that, there was something that came to mind. Um, there's a quote from the author, Madeline Lingle. I don't know if you're familiar with it at all. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, I, I know her. Well, she, she's the one that wrote Wrinkle in Time, right? Yes, yes, correct. Um, yeah. She There's a, a line that I, I've often gone back to, which I think captures exactly what you're describing. Um, and it's it's this, I think she's, it's, I'm paraphrasing, but it's, it's like we... We draw people to Christ, um, not by sort of loudly screaming and yelling um, and telling them how wrong they are, but instead by showing them a light that is so lovely that they want to know with all their hearts the source of where it came from. Um, right. I find that such a just, uh, like, if you were just to boil down like what you just said, it's living distinctly, like living in such a way mm-hmm. that people actually ask questions, um, having your... Uh, sort of worldview be so infused with the ideals and the uh, sort of character traits of Christ that you don't have mm-hmm. to put a Jesus fish or John three sixteen on uh, the front of your business, but you just, you serve good coffee or you, you do good work. Uh, you operate with integrity as a business. Um, you deliver on deadlines. You uh, provide the, uh, an outlet for people to do good work, um, which is what they were made for. And I think some of those things often get brushed into the camp of being uh, like, oh, those are just like secular, unimportant things to the church. When in reality, that's part of uh, being human is working. Um, And so even something as seemingly simple as providing a job for somebody um, or just doing your job faithfully, is, is really, I mean, if you really start extrapolating it out, that's a way to love your neighbor as yourself. Um, it's a way to right. live out that commandment. And I think that oftentimes kind of gets missed, sadly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think some, sometimes people talk about like being excellent as a, as a means for ministry. I think you certainly can't not be excellent because um, if you're, if you do bad work and you're lazy, um, you know, people are not are definitely not going to even want to associate themselves with you. <laughs> so, uh, but it, I think for Christian Christians, it goes much much further than that. Mm-hmm. If you just do good work and you're successful, then you're you're still no different than in everyone else because everyone everyone's incentivized to do good work and be successful. Um, so I see, you know, you have like okay, Protestant work ethic, like let's. Let's crush it, but then there's no distinctive. There's still no distinctive. I mean, you can only outwork to some extent. I mean, honestly, like some of the guys that are entrepreneurs that are not Christians are some of the most hardworking, motivated people. And it would be sin for Christians to work that hard. <laughs> so there's a level of uh, there's a level of like limits where Christians yeah. literally cannot even get to that level of work ethic. So you're not going to win people to Christ by, by just being excellent, you know, because someone will always be more excellent than you. Yeah. Uh, you certainly will lose people if you're not excellent. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not saying don't be excellent. I'm just saying that um, at some level there needs to be true distinctives that outside of just excellence. And those are, those really come down to typically like one is decision-making and two is your, your attitude in the way that you conduct yourself. I think those are the two things that I think about the most. I mean, even like mm. uh, there's a service opportunity that came up for um, a a restaurant that came up um, to purchase recently. And I'm kind of going through this process right now. But if, if I did purchase this restaurant, you know, I was thinking like, who would I hire? Mm. Um, I think like generally the thing with Christians, the, the reason why I would be interested in hiring Christians. And I think the reason why like something like a Chick-fil-A has been so successful especially in the service industry is that when you hire a Christian that works in food service, I mean, if they're a real Christian, they're, they're beholden not just to clock in and clock out, but they're beholden to another standard, which is like, Hey, if your boss is not there, you still want to treat people with love because you have an opportunity to do ministry through that. And people like coming back to establishments where they're treated with respect and love. Not to say that, um, non-Christians don't do that well and in a lot of cases better but very distinctively the kindness and love that's shown that's out that's kind of above and beyond and having a accountability mechanism that's outside of um, 
just the, the, the rules and the values of the organization, I think is, is something that that's interesting and probably something that's helped. I'm sure Chick-fil-A, I mean, they have such a unique culture, partly because of their Christian distinctiveness. Yeah, no, I think I tend to agree um, completely. I think that's a great point um, that it does have to go beyond just sort of, yeah, <laughs> working excellently or sort of bootstrapping your way through life that, yeah, they're, they're due as much as there has to be, uh, as much as excellence does win people, um, it can't be the only distinctive. Um, and there are certainly limits and things like Sabbath rest that have to be incorporated that, um, yeah, you, you may... <laughs> You may not be the most productive worker uh, in the office. There may be limits that you have to put on what you're doing, um, but also that means that you redeem the time whenever you are clocking in um, and learning how to right. yeah. that balance. Well, and even like something like church, um, I think like David Platt's done a great job kind of pushing mm. up against some of the uh, suburban church culture uh, mm -hmm. or mega church, mega church culture of like, you can you can be very very excellent and being organizationally sound as a church and um, having a super nice building and having like a really strong music and worship team and um, those are all good things uh, to some extent but what's distinctive about that and and any other I guess like non-Christian organization if it's just that I mean again if you don't go further uh, as a church. Um, then what is it that what, what is it that really draws people in is there actually a spirit mm -hmm. of christ mm -hmm. um, that's there and not just oh this is a great service or a great kids ministry or whatever yeah and that that certainly gets at your motivations too of what's actually driving you in this um is it i uh, i want my boss to see me so i'll get noticed and get a promotion or uh, I want everybody to be impressed at how awesome I am. I mean, as vain as that can sound, that's certainly a, a motivator for a lot of us to some degree. Um, or is it, no, I, I've already been accepted. I've already been uh, loved by my maker. Um, he's already given me the blessing up front. I work out of that blessing. Um, and I work hard because of that, but I don't work hard as a okay. means of, like you just, yeah, you, you live to a different standard. Um, so, yeah, I think those are all, those are all great thoughts. Um, I, I want to pivot real quick. Uh, tell me, so in terms of thinking about um, kind of just a, as a broad sort of swath, like entrepreneurialism, um, what are, what do you, what would you say are the sort of, what are things that are good, right, and beautiful about entrepreneurialism? And then what, and then you can, I'll pair that with what are some things that are, are broken and what are some ways that you kind of experience sort of the thistles and thorns uh, of work specifically in sort of that, that realm? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I guess I can start with um, the, the benefits. I think uh, entrepreneurship, I think is um, it's, it's, it's partly great because you have, um, you have kind of control over the values of the organization. Um, and, and so you're not necessarily going to work at a place where you're, you're bumping against things. If you work anywhere else, you're going to have things that you disagree with. That's just the um, <laughs> part of working at a, any, any organization. And that's okay in most mm -hmm. cases, unless it becomes something that um, is, is the center of that organization. That's just part of the friction of mm -hmm. being a Christian and living in this world and interacting. Um, but as an entrepreneur, I think as a Christian entrepreneur, you have the ability to shape that a lot more than um, than you would if you went and worked somewhere. Uh -huh. um, I think, secondly, I think flexibility is, is pretty huge. I think if you want to have a family, um, at least for me, it was always, flexibility was one of my highest um, things that I was trying to um, uh, attain. Where yeah, I, you know, I was like, fine, working hard, um, but wanting, not being able to be told you can't, um, spend time with your family during this time or you can't be at a small group during this time or mm. or whatever or you can't be at church during this time because of x y and z i think um it was important to me and i think th that's a great thing about entrepreneurship but i think like just entrepreneurship you have you're generally compensated less for more work than other people mm. in stable industries so there's a level of faith and risk taking that's 
involved in that, uh, which I think is cool. And uh, and there's a level of creative kind of output that I think comes out of entrepreneurship that's that's unique to going as uh, uh, being a small cog in a huge organization. Mm. Um, you, you really get to think through like, what do I want to create? My impact culture. Mm-hmm. Um, those those kinds of questions. Mm-hmm. So I think that those are the pros. Um, I think the the cons are. I think there's tons of idolatry around entrepreneurship today, mm. um, uh, and I think it's easy to get sucked up in that 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 idolatry of um, work just being so central to to people's lives, mm. especially in this kind of a role where you know you 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 just kind of at all costs need to succeed. Mm. Um, and um, I think there's a level of, I think, discipline and, and maturity that comes from working for someone else um, that I think that I sometimes lacked because I didn't spend a lot of time working for other people. I spent mm. two years working in investment banking, working for other people, and then all the rest of the time I've been on my own. Mm. So it's been... Um, like kind of 10 years almost. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I think there's a level of like immaturity that comes with me being able to so closely control everything um, as opposed to me coming under someone who can tell me what to do. Um, I think there's a level of like, uh, th- th- there's actually like some level of goodness, I think, to learning how to be submissive. Mm-hmm. Um and um, and so I yeah I think uh, that there's that flip side of flexibility which is to say like you you're so in control that um, you don't learn how to be submissive and you don't learn and 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 that's a very cultural thing too as well in our kind of millennial um, culture right now is just just individualism uh, mm-hmm. is is idolized along with entrepreneurship a lot of those things go hand in hand yeah. so being not being sucked up into the um, I'm God <laughs> kind of mm-hmm. thing yeah. is, is, I think, can be a challenge and, um, and, and requires a lot of self-reflection, I think. Yeah, it sounds like you uh, would almost need uh, spokes on your wheel to support you and to keep you honest and hold you accountable as opportunities present themselves to consider those pros, like creating culture that enhances the common good and makes life better for your neighbor. You know, certainly those are like good, right things, but it also comes with like, you can fall in the ditch of uh, egocentrism and pride and uh, even narcissism. If it really like goes way off the tracks and I'm sure yeah, I, think, who, I think pastors. Yeah. It just as easily. Like the same thing. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Just, I think when pastors, you're the, they create, yeah. When you're the face of a thing and uh, yeah, I, I've, off, I've, I've seen it even happen to folks who, or at least just sort of these tendencies have shown themselves um, in people that I would not have expected that from. And so in some ways, it's like the, like I don't think they entered into the pastorate or they entered into uh, entrepreneurial type ventures or roles as uh, sort of flaming egocentrists. And then yet, yeah part of it is just the demands of where the culture's at and where work is at. It's like in an attempt to be relevant or in an attempt to, uh, I don't know, exegete the culture. I don't know, whatever you, whatever phrase you want to use, um, you kind of get swept up in it and become the thing that you're trying to, to avoid, which is kind of scary. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say if, if you're not extremely intentional about running against that, you will become that <laughs> in my yeah. mind. Like there's not a, it's, it's, that's, that's the norm. It's not, uh, it's not like, oh, some people become egocentrist. I mean, I'm for sure mm. in that boat where um, it's, I, I'd, I'd say, especially when you find success, mm. that's when it's really dangerous um, mm. because then you're like, look at what I've built mm. and look at what I've done. And, and that's, so, so if you, I mean, if you're an entrepreneur and you fail, that's probably a, you probably have to go to the Lord. <laughs> if you're an entrepreneur, you're successful, then you don't go to the Lord in most cases, mm. unless you are, are very um, mm. intentional. I mean, that's again, why I think we see so few Christians at the, at, at, at high levels of 
mm-hmm. um, sort of executive leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you, I think there are Christians that go there, but they're lost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and no one, and, and also no one's telling you, you, you're, no one's telling you what's wrong with you when you're at that level too. Mm-hmm. Um, there's very few people that are going to speak to, um, you know, people that at, at that kind of success level with true accountability and true honesty. Yeah. So then they're lacking accountability and so there's a lot of issues there. I think especially when you're, if you're successful as an entrepreneur as a Christian, you really, you need to wake up with fear <laughs> in mm. some ways. Yeah. Um, so it, it's funny. One of the, uh, we had some lectures um, on preaching just a few weeks back at um, the seminary that I attend. And uh, one of the, the guys who was delivering him noted um, he was recalling what he had heard. And whenever he was a student receiving these same like lectures um, back in the nineties, early two thousands. And he said, um, some of you are very gifted at communication, preaching, and pastoral ministry. And may God have mercy on your soul because of that. And it right, was just right, right. this like, huge eye-opener of like, oh my gosh. You, like, it is both a gift and something to be stewarded um, with absolute care. Um, yeah. Otherwise, it'll run. Yeah, I mean, you see it all. Yeah, you see it all over in, in pastoral ministry too, just the amount of moral power abuses and all that. I mean, it's, yeah. it's not surprising at all really, but it, it's just, you know, it's especially for them, man. I just, it, it, I, I cower at the wrath of God when it comes to some stuff like that, because they're mm. really held at a higher standard. Mm. And, uh, and so, and so am I and others that, that have more resources. Again, I, parable of the talents is so, yeah so fitting i mean like the people that have more abilities there's more that's required from them mm-hmm. um and so yeah you really with blessing comes yeah sort of uh, responsibility. a responsibility as well so yeah absolutely which is again like i said a little before it, it's the opposite is, is what i typically see yeah tell me a little more about uh, i know you mentioned this at our conference and i know this is something that you're pretty passionate about but uh, in terms of risk taking I think it's pretty evident that Christians aren't always the <laughs> surprisingly so um, aren't, aren't very good risk takers. Um, they often tend to play it safe and pad their own comfort. You kind of unpacked a little bit of that on the front end. Um, but yeah, tell me sort of what's your, what are your thoughts on why Christians should take risks? Um, how that might play out vocationally. I would just love to pick your brain on that. Yeah, I mean, like, the, theologically, I would say there's, I mean, there's just so much stuff out there on risk. Um, from, you have Jesus talking about risk with, you know, parable of talents and, and the man that found the treasure and sold everything and, um, and, and, and talking to his disciples about not bearing the fathers and, um, and, and, and leaving with just, you know, just the sandals in your, in your tunic or whatever. And, and there's, I mean, there's so many uh, theological examples. I mean, Paul over and over again talks about the, the risk and also, um, uh, you know, with, and also, uh, shows the risk that he's willing to take too, as well, whether it be like, you know, the early church in acts telling him, don't go to this city. He's, he's just going, um, doesn't matter if he's going to die. Um, and he's ready to, he's ready to die. Mm. Uh, and then you have, the many many examples of of people all throughout scripture who took took risk i mean almost anybody that we would deem as uh, you know to be to be looked up to or in that hebrews hall of faith all those guys were taking risk i mean some of the things i'm looking at for uh, speaking at this retreat this weekend are people that took risk in the scriptures and what happened with them and people that didn't take risk in scriptures and what happened with them. Mm. And so some of the people that I'm looking at, like people that didn't take risk would be like in numbers 13 and 14, you have the Israelites who kind of at the edge of the promised land and send the spies in and, and they get scared because of, even though God told them that this land is yours um, because the people were big and the land and the fortresses were, were strong and the walls were high and all that. And um, you have Moses struck the rock and, and he gets, he loses access to the promised land because he, he, he did not trust the Lord. I mean, that's what it says about his sin. Um, mm. 
Mm. You have Peter denying Jesus because he was afraid of risk of the risk of saying that he was associated with that person. Mm. Um, and, uh, I mean, over and over again, you see, um, the, the people that fell short and then over and over again, you see Daniel, you know, Dan, and, and some of these people, they took risk and then they didn't take risk. <laughs> you know, Peter ultimately sacrificed his life for the gospel, but he also, one of his big failures was a lack of risk taking and, and even saying like, I'm associated with this person. Um, but you have Daniel, you have Esther, you have um, Joab and Abishai, you have, you know, um, just over and over, Paul and Jesus and all, everyone that, that these these guys were taking crazy amounts of risk, um, and and it, to an extent that we we would really have a hard time even looking at them and and saying maybe there's some parallel that we should be drawing with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's that's sort of like the biblical call. Um, and, um, you know, I think like the, the practical call to me is that without risk, I'm talking about biblical risk to me, mm-hmm. which is irrational to the world. So to me, an entrepreneurial taking, taking risk, that, that is risk. And I think that to be applauded in some ways, and it's interesting, but any non-Christian, not any, but lots of non-Christians take entrepreneurial risk all the time, which is again, what I said, getting paid less and higher chance of failure um, than, than just going to work somewhere. A lot of people will take that because of the self glorification around entrepreneurship, mm. but people that taking countercultural risks that are not around self glorification, for example, like serving others, um, in, in, in radical ways, um, those that can't help you, um, mm-hmm. whether that be in work or whether that be in your, in your daily drive, it doesn't matter. Um, those are the places that I think that um, that that really call people to Jesus and make people ask you questions about um, your faith. And and so the practical reasons are just like if you're not taking risks, then no one's going to ask you about Jesus, and you're not going to have any impact. So in terms of like <laughs> at least like evangelism. So that that's uh, so those are I don't know. Um, I think that's a, I mean it's a much longer conversation, obviously, but um, obviously, those yeah. are just some yeah. That's a that's a big question, and yeah, I, I tend to yeah I I tend to agree, and um, yeah, I, I think it's it's something that Christians have probably not done well, um, but there are Christians who, um, like you said, have have modeled for us what it looks like to sort of live live faithfully and live unabashedly, believing um, sort of this hope, um, and they're living it out in their day to day lives and. Um, while certainly sort of falling into moralism and saying, be like David or be like, be like uh, all these other faithful people is probably not, that's uh, not, uh, it's not going to get the results that you desire all the time, but certainly saying, um, you know, as we grow and look more like Jesus, hopefully this becomes more and more of our response is that we um, do take risks because we trust in the sovereignty of God that that's not just this big theological word that we use, but that we actually trust it in the way that we go about our lives um, because we know who holds our future. Uh, it's a, yeah, it's a personal God. It's not <laughs> karma or fate or any of those, uh, yeah, anything that might be ambiguous. And so, yeah, there's obviously a lot yeah. here and <laughs> swallow yeah. the ocean real quick in 10 minutes. Um, I have one <laughs> last question for you because I do want to be sensitive to your time. Um, Tell me what, so as you think about your work and this, the, like the idea of success, I guess, what does success look like for you um, in your work? How would you define that? Um, you don't have yeah. to wax poetic too long necessarily, but yeah, just sort of what, what's that framework look like for you and in, in what you do? Yeah, I think it's it's a little bit different for everyone, um, and I, I would say on a very a very general note, I think it's it's pursuing living in your calling, pursuing your calling, um, and I'd say for me specifically, based off of my calling, um, I, I think I alluded to it earlier. I, I really view my 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 role in the in the church as being a bridge between culture and the world and and sort of this Christian world, and so. Um, and there's two sides to that. One is how do I draw Christians into engaging with culture? And then the second side of that is how do I draw 
culture or the world into an interest in Jesus. Um, and uh, so for me, it's really successfully looks like how, how well am I doing those, those things? Um, if, you know, so business to me is really a conduit for impacting culture. And I, I really don't feel like I've, even though financially speaking, I think I've had some success. Um, I don't know that I've actually, I was talking to my wife about this the other day. I don't know that I've actually like really felt successful when it mm. comes to uh, impacting culture um, through the work that I've done. So that's a question I'm really asking myself now is really like, what does that look like to, um, to, for my business to impact culture? Um, and, uh, how do I engage with business in a way that does that well? So um, I, I think for me that that's the measure of, you know, how I look at that, whether it be, you know, culture, culture is just the thing that influence us. It's music and entertainment and uh, fashion and um, where we spend our time and money and those kinds of things. So I think like to the extent, how am I impacting those things? And, and I have, have I done something that, that's attractive to for the, for the world to be attractive to Jesus in some way. And then for, for Christians to somehow want to engage more. And um, so, yeah, I don't feel like I'm there yet, but <laughs> that's what I would view as success for me at least. Welcome back. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Eden and we hope you'll stick around with us for our upcoming reflections on faith and work. If you haven't already, please, please, please subscribe, download, and rate the podcast wherever you download your podcasts and spread the word to others on social media. It really, really, really does make a difference and helps us out immensely as we spread the word uh, about what we're doing. This podcast, again, is a production of the Center for Faith and Work Los Angeles, a gospel-centered nonprofit that's dedicated to helping Angelinos reimagine their vocation to then reshape culture in Los Angeles and beyond. If you'd like to take the conversation further, feel free to visit our website at faithandworkla.com to find resources, videos, and blogs to help you reimagine your own work with the gospel in mind. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.